Welcome to Impact with Dr. David Island. Each week as we delve into topical events that affect us locally and globally, you'll have the opportunity to hear practical, relevant and empowering information from Dr. Island, a renowned pastor, author and coach who will give you the tools to confront these issues in your own personal context. Today's topic is Conquering the Debt Beast. Now here's your host, Dr. Island. Debt is a beast. It causes a lot of pain in a lot of lives to a lot of families. Open your Bibles to Proverbs 22 and verse 7. Scripture says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. I highlighted that word slave because that's where the beast brings us to, to become slaves. In fact, debt creates mental health problems like insomnia, hopelessness, depression, anxiety. A 2017 study by Magnify Money points out that 21% of all divorces are based on money problems. And if a couple makes over $100,000 a year, 33% of divorces are based on money problems. If a couple makes between fifty dollars and $99,000 a year, 25% of divorces are based on money problems. If the couple makes under $50,000 a year, 18% of divorces are attributed to money problems. Notice, the less money you make, the less the beast attacks you. The more money you make, the more the beast attacks you. It's as if, you know, the beast feeds off money. The debt beast paralyzes you, removing hope, mental clarity, even faith. I'm so thankful, though, we serve a God that is not afraid to go into our financial pit and pull us up out of the quicksand of debt, of debt, and we must trust him even when it comes to that. This sermon is a part of a five-week teaching series entitled the 1322 Challenge. You may say, that's odd. Not really. It comes from Proverbs 1322, which says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So when we look at finances, let's not look at it just in our own lives or to the life of our children. Let's look at it the way God looks at it transgenerationally. Let's make sure the way we carry ourselves financially has impact positively to generations that follow us. Now, I want to establish some promises to you so you can be able to take in the word properly. There are five promises through the series that I want to establish to you. First, you will learn how to manage your money more effectively with no judgment attached. Second, you will learn life-changing strategies on debt reduction and how to bounce back from financial setbacks. Third promise, you will not be asked to give a special gift beyond your normal tithe and offerings. In other words, this sermon is just for you. This teaching is for you. And I want you to understand that. Fourth promise, you'll be challenged to make hard decisions in order to reach your financial goals. 
Fifth promise, you will learn how to build wealth, money that lasts for generations. Got it? Rub your hands together and say, okay, let's get started. Let's get started. Let's get started. Good. Proverbs 22, 7, I bring you back there and it says, The poor are ruled by the rich. And those who borrow are slaves of moneylenders. So in order to make sure we don't become enslaved to moneylenders, we have to really learn how to conquer the debt beast. Question, how do you conquer the debt beast? Answer, avoid debt. You say, that's not too clever. Oh, yes, it is. Start there. Before debt reduction strategies, start there. In other words, if you want to not be eaten up, devoured by the debt beast, don't get into debt. Avoid debt. Debt enslaves. Debt is any money owed to anybody for anything. Good foundational definition. People say, well, what's debt? Don't make it complicated. Debt is any money owed to anybody for anything or any reason. Slaves are restricted on many levels. They're restricted in their movement. They can't move about, go anywhere they want, whenever they want. They're a slave. Same way and same thing that happens when we become a financial slave or we become you know, in debt or so much in debt. If God says to you, I'm, I'm calling you to be a missionary to Japan, Visa may say, great idea, but I'm shutting it down. You owe me money. You can't go to Japan until you pay me. So it shuts down, reduces, and restricts your freedom. Slaves don't have freedom of choice. They must take what they get. Same thing when you become indebted, it, becomes, it, it limits your freedom of choice. You have restrictions on you in regards to interest rates, restrictions in regards to types of loans. If your indebtedness is really high and you're a high-risk individual in regards to money, then companies that lend money, give money, provide interest, cars, mortgage, they're going to give you a higher interest rate because of your high-risk perspective and high-risk role and high-risk status. So debt, it restricts and limits you in choices. This thing is dangerous. And so when you think about it, I always ask myself questions before I get into any kind of debt because I want to avoid debt. Maybe these questions will be helpful to you as well. I ask myself this question. Does it make sense to take on this debt given my other financial obligations? The answer is no. Don't take it on. Here's another question. Are my spouse and I in agreement about taking on this debt? I'm not going to go and sign up for anything. I'm not going to go and do anything financially if my wife is not in agreement with me. And she likewise has learned not to do anything if I'm not in a financial agreement with her. So, you know, if, if Marlinda says no, that's the voice of God. <laughs> I mean, it, just, it just gets you on the same page. But, and, and we laugh and we, we say, oh, that's basic. You'll be surprised. In the days when I used to be counseling, because we have a counseling department, the church is at a size, I'm not able to do that as I did before. You'll be surprised how many couples have come into my office at the verge of divorce. Why? I remember one case in particular. The guy says, Pastor, I'm getting ready to divorce my wife. I said, why? He said, she pulled up into the driveway with a $60,000 car. I had no idea that she was getting in this $60,000 debt, making a financial decision, and just pulling up in the driveway and asking me, honey, you like my new car? 
No, it's not because a woman doing that. I've had the reverse. A wife says to me, I'm, I'm, uh, it's over. I said, why? She said, my husband said, honey, come and see this investment house I just bought. He just, just locked in for a $400,000 mortgage and she's in debt now because of the marital status. I want you to see, you got to ask questions. And so in order to make sure the debt beast, you can conquer it, avoid debt. Here's another question. Am I entering into this debt because of guilt, obligation, or pressure? Proverbs 22, 26 says, Don't promise to be responsible for someone else's debts. If you should be unable to pay, they will take away even your bed. Could you imagine? Get up from your bed. I got to take your bed. This is what happens though when we have adult kids. If you're not careful, you don't want them to have to struggle through. So you say, oh, I'll take care of that. Oh, one of the worst things you can do. Because when you take care of their financial obligations or you make them think that they're in a certain financial bracket and status that they never worked for, never earned, never looked for, never got their lives together in that area or their passion or their drive or the capacity or better themselves, you, all you're doing is handicapping your future and handicapping their future because of this indebtedness. So ask yourself the question. I always ask this question. Am I creating a needless urgency by taking on this debt? Man, I just got to have it. Why do you have to have it now? Have you heard about delayed or deferred gratification? I don't know if you ever heard about the 1972 study by Stanford University. It's on delayed gratification. It's called the marshmallow test. This research, it focused on what happens when we put a child in a room with a marshmallow treat and we say to the child, sweetheart, you can eat this marshmallow right now if you like, but if you wait for a few minutes, I'm going to go out the room and I'll come back in a few minutes. I'll give you a second marshmallow and you can eat both of them at a time. So choice one, eat it now. Choice two, wait, and then you can have a second one. And you'll be surprised of the impact of delayed gratification. In fact, check this out. Sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. I'm gonna go do something, and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? 
Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> now, we laugh, very comedic, but this study was referred to as a longitudinal study. That means that it tracked what was the impact of the kids that practiced delayed gratification over a few decades? And they saw that the kids that delayed gratification, waiting for that second marshmallow, they had higher SAT scores, they had greater academic achievement, their body mass index was more in line with what it should be, they had other life measures that showed far more success than the ones who could not wait and ate the marshmallow right then. Now, I'm not suggesting that delayed gratification is a cure-all for everything, because there are other things such as the culture in which you were raised, the environment, the training, your financial knowledge. But what I will say is this. It is a very clear outcome that if you learn to delay gratification when it comes to money and expenses and expenditures, you'll, much, you'll be much better off and not get consumed by the debt beast. And so I want to reaffirm to you that to conquer the debt beast, you must avoid debt. You must also attack debt. To conquer the debt beast, you, you got to attack it fiercely, forcefully and fearlessly. You don't play with monsters. You slay monsters. Debt is a vicious monster. You don't walk around with your arm around the, the debt monster saying, hey, just leave me alone, I leave you alone, we're cool. No, you got to slay this debt monster. This debt monster, this, it, it's, it's vicious. It'll cripple you emotionally. It'll cause you to become so, you know, so driven to where your mind shuts down. You can't even think creatively, creatively, creatively any longer. You can't even think about, how do I get out of this trap, out of this debt? You just feel like, man, I, I don't know what to do. It paralyzes. And so when you think about it, I love what Proverbs 21 tells me in verse 20. Wise people live in wealth and luxury. But stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Now, I didn't say that about you. I didn't say that about me. I just read it. Now, we, we've, we've all done stupid things financially, me included. I, I just as I'm preparing for this sermon, I, I, my mind went back to 30 years ago. The early days of my marriage, I was still working through paying off, you know, educational loans and all that stuff. And, and we didn't have a lot of money. And so, and, I, and the home that we were in, there were no wall hangings. It was like prison. I mean, it was just, it was just bare wall, nothing. And, I, and one day, I went to the art gallery. Why was I there? Why did I go? And you ever see when, you know, someone's mesmerized, your eyes start to dilate and you get captivated in the Lord. I saw two wall hangings. They were matching. And I looked, and I whipped out that piece of plastic, and I said, bag them. They cost $400 a piece. I didn't have the money. I just took care of it. I got home. I said, honey, come and see. I got some wall hangs. She looked at them. She said, 
How much do they cost? I said, just $400 a piece. She said, you spent $800? Why? 35 years later now, I'm looking in the, in, in the storage room in our house, and there are those wall hangs. I, I, I looked at it with this menacing look. You got me in trouble. Why did I do that? But it wasn't the wall hangings. Debt starts here in the heart. It doesn't start in the pocketbook. doesn't start in the wallet. Debt starts within. Poke yourself. It starts right here. That's where debt starts, right here. See, temptation, that's, we get tempted to, to buy things. You know, consumer debt. And we, we buy a lot of stuff that we really don't need. And temptation, it's, it's never ugly. I've never seen a guy fall morally and say to me, Pastor, man, I, she was so ugly, I just so captivated by her ugliness. <laughs> I, I've never heard that. I've never heard a woman say, Pastor, you know, he was tall and so ugly, I just fell into his arms. I never heard that. Because temptation is never ugly. It's attractive. It's seductive. It's sexy. It's beguiling. It's inviting. It's desirable. Temptation, it's captivating. And we start working, and our minds start to work tricks on us, play tricks, and we start thinking that, you know, this is reasonable. This purchase, it's rational. This purchase, it's, it's right. Consider the couple. They don't have any living room furniture. They don't have any money either. And they, I don't know why they're there at the store. And they see this $5,000 living room furniture. Man, the color fits, right, fits their home. They look, talk to each other. And then they go out, they whip out the credit card, and they say, let's do it. And when they whipped out that credit card, they were seduced into thinking that this purchase is reasonable, it's rational, it's right, and it's on sale. Let's do it. Now, take another couple. Didn't have any money. They just used carton boxes for furniture. They're even blanket, making a joke out of the thing. They're pushing each other in the living room. They're laughing, having a good time. But it's free. Now, you men would say, oh, that's furniture. I could sit on a milk crate. No big deal. Take the guy who wanted to watch the game with 85-inch flat-screen TV, late technology, 5,000 bucks after all, Super Bowl Sunday, I need a flat screen. And he goes out and he buys it and he doesn't have the money and he's just, you know, he takes out the credit card, store credit card, 18.9% interest. And he starts to think, you know, this is reasonable. This is rational. This is right. And it's a 72-hour sale just in time for the big game. That's one perspective. What the guy should have done to avoid the debt beast is go into his parents' attic and pull out that old TV and look at that. And then if his friends come over to watch the game with him, he tells them, this is retro. I'm just going retro. Make it vogue. But you spare yourself from being consumed by the debt beast. Now, let's probe a little bit further because sometimes we don't grasp the concept until we look at it on paper. Let's examine the impact of $5,000 purchase using an annual percentage rate of 18.9% and compounded interest as it is. Most of these credit card companies will tell you, just make the minimum payment. And minimum can be 2% or 3% of the balance. I chose 2%. 
And 2% of $5,000, it's $100, you pay 100 bucks per month. But when you track what that does and compound interest, you're paying now over 30 years and with total payment, including interest, $19,564. By 2050, you're still paying off that flat screen TV. By then, I have TVs, the scientists and, and engineers would have designed TVs. I can put it right in my thumb and just look at the TV right there. And here you are, you got this flat screen TV. I got it right here on my finger. What the latest model right here. You're still back in 2020 version. Now, if you said, you know, Pastor, I'm going to attack this debt, pay it off quicker. And so you pay 4%. And when you do that, that's $200 per month. And when you track it, though, over time, you've, it's going to take you 11 years and 5 months to pay off the original $5,000. When you add in the interest, a total of $8,109. And in June of 2031 is when you would have paid it off. I want you to see the impact of compounded interest. It works for you when you're investing and works against you when you're in debt. Now you say, Pastor, this is ridiculous. I got to really attack this, attack this debt. So you say, let's put 10% per month, 500 bucks per month, and you track it and you'll finish the payment at the end of the year. In December of this year, it'll cost you $5,483, including interest. You're doing well. But if you said, Pastor, I'm really convicted. This word is bothering me. And you walk out of here today and you say, I got $5,000. And you decide to pay off the whole thing in full. You would have then freed your soul, paid 0% interest. And you would have debt free. And you would be able to then say, now I can enjoy my living room furniture. I can enjoy the flat screen TV. And I can have some chicken wings and pizza with the game tonight. Because it's free, it's free, it's free. And I'm, my soul has been freed. So to attack debt beast, you got to be aggressive. You have to be assertive. You have to be alert and say, I'm going after this thing. This is a street brawl. You don't play with debt. You got to get crazy when it comes to debt. Proverbs 6 verse 10 says, you sleep a little. You take a nap. You fold your hands and lie down to rest. So you will be as poor as if you had been robbed. You will have as little as, you've been, as if you've been held up. This debt beast is crazy. And so if you sleep on this thing, it'll consume you. And so if you're someone that's saying, Pastor, I, I, where were you five years ago? I was right here. Where were you? It's just, the point, though, is that I want you to learn now. And you got to go crazy when you're attacking debt. Don't play with it. There are many debt reduction strategies. One of them I really love is the debt snowball method. The debt snowball method is this. You lay out all your debts on the table. And you choose the smallest debt that you have. And you put as much money as you can to accelerate the payoff of that small bill while maintaining minimum payments on the other bills. And you'll see in a short period of time, you would have paid off that first debt. What that does, because the snowball effect of paying off the principal, what that does is it lifts your courage. It infuses you with enthusiasm to say that this debt beast, I can conquer. 
When you finish paying off that smallest bill, you take all the funds that you normally would throw at that bill monthly and you put it to the second smallest bill and you go through the same process. And over a period of time, you're going to find yourself saying, man, I'm, 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 I, I've, I've dug myself out of this hole. Why? Because you've attacked the dead beast. But when you don't attack it, this thing clogs up your mind and you think that it's unconquerable. It was about eight years ago that we got an emergency phone call at the office, this lady on the other line said, I'm too far away geographically, but I got a call from one of the other members, a lady. She attempted suicide, and, and, and she needs help. And so someone rushed to her place, got her the medical attention. Once she's stabilized medically, thankfully she didn't, you know, wasn't successful in committing suicide, we discovered she owed $250,000 in educational loans, gone through law school, unsuccessful in passing the bar on several attempts and working these low-wage jobs. And she has a pile of bills that just clogged up her mental capacity to dream and think and be creative and even think about how do I get out of this debt that I'm in. And so she tried to kill herself. And once we sorted out things with her, she had to make a hard decision. And the hard decision was, you need to relocate back home and live with your family. She's in her early 30s. She had to relocate out of state and go and live back in her with her family and stay in her, her childhood room. But it took hard decision and humility on her part to say, when I go back home, I don't have any mortgage, any rent to deal with, but I can now dig myself out of the hole and be able to stand up on my two firm, flat, good, healthy financial feet. I want you to know this debt beast is conquerable. But sometimes we have to make some hard decisions. But it starts here in the heart. Susie Orman, popular financial advisor and author said, the only way you will ever permanently take control of your financial life is to dig deep and fix the root problem. You got to fix the root problem here. See, finances, the debt problem doesn't start, it doesn't start with the wallet or the purse, it starts here in the heart. Wait a lady, she looked like a model. I mean, you can think, man, you just look at her and say, are you a model? Six foot tall, 110 pounds, work, you know, wearing the most you know, fine clothing, had all this jewelry around her neck, I mean, silver, gold, yellow gold, all kinds of things, earrings, bracelets, I mean, decked to the nines. Look at her watch. She said, whoa, that, that's, you know that's money just right there. You can't even tell the time. It's so much money. It's just, and she came to the office. She wanted, she was going to get evicted from her apartment because she hadn't paid the rent, didn't have the money. The counselor was one of the old wise women. She said, first thing she said, can the church help me out? And the woman said, sell your jewelry. She went, sell my jewelry? She's like, you know how much this costs? See, but see, the, the, the church, we're not going to bail you out of a problem that you don't want to solve. Sell your jewelry. She had to sell her jewelry, pay her rent. So what does that teach you? Just like you want to teach kids how to handle money? Borrow money from some kids. That'll teach them how to handle money. Every five minutes, they'll be asking, where's my money? I want my money. <laughs> That's how you train them to handle money. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something very, 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 very hard. 
Not today. In two weeks. We're going to take a moment out of the service in two weeks on the 16th of February. And we're going to call it Attack the Debt Beast, the moment. So what are you going to do? If you are having a problem with your credit card, it keeps jumping out of your purse. It keeps jumping out of your wallet. It's making you do things that you didn't even know that you can do. And when one stops to jump because it's reached its limit, another one jumps. you got about 20 of them in your wallet, your purse. You can whip out all different colors, all different types. You just whip it out, titanium, plastic, all kinds of stuff. On the 16th, I'm going to ask you to bring that credit card, throw it on the altar, and we're going to cut it up. In this atmosphere of faith and love and community and solidarity and, and commitment, and we're going to celebrate together as you are free. Now, I need you to promise. In these next two weeks, you're not going to go crazy. We're only going to, you're looking at that credit card, you pull it out. We only have two weeks more together. No, you're not going to go crazy. <laughs> I need you to bring yourself under control so that you can be able to say, Pastor, I need that little nudge. I need that little push because I, 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 I'm out of control and I want to help you. Now, we're laughing, but it's very serious and I want to help you get free and conquer the dead beast. How many can say, yeah, I, I can do that? How many needs a gun over their head to say, I can do that? I mean, it's just, if, see, some of us don't have a problem with, 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 with the credit card. But if you have a problem with it, then you say, what am I going to do? You got to shut, you, I, I buy my food that way, I, I'm in debt. Look, it, look, you eat rice and beans, and when you get sick of rice and beans, eat beans and rice. <laughs> Until you handle this thing. <laughs> two weeks <laughs> so to conquer the debt beast you avoid debt you attack debt and you aim debt free what would happen if you walked out of this room today saying I'm going to aim to live a debt free life I'm going to aim to have a debt free status you may say what about my mortgage well when you pay off everything else you just increase the principal, increase payment towards the principal for your mortgage. But you want to aim to be debt free. See, in order for that to happen, it's going to take perspective. You may say, well, I don't know anybody that's debt free. Well, you don't know the right people. Well, I grew up in debt. I think that debt is normative. For you not to be debt, that's downright un-American. No, that's ridiculous. You've got to adopt the perspective that says, I got to aim debt-free, and then I'm going to practice debt-free lifestyle. It starts off with self-talk. If you got to change your self-talk, because the debt type of self-talk says, I deserve to treat myself to this. I work hard. The debt-free self-talk says, I deserve to be out of debt. I work hard. What would happen if you started using the latter? I deserve to be out of debt. I work hard. In fact, let's say it out together out loud. Ready? I deserve to be out of debt. I work hard. Doesn't that sound good? 
You got to keep saying it until it sounds natural. Right now, it sounds like one of those C-level actors. <laughs> but in order for you to practice this, you have to have the right perspective. Practicing it, you may start off by the fact that you eat out too often. According to a 2017 study, Americans eat, on average, 4.2 commercially prepared meals per week. Four to five times per week they're eating out. This equates to 18.2 meals per month. This equates to, on average, $232 per month spent on eating out. That's if you buy something at Starbucks, I sit, have a sit-down meal at a restaurant, get something from the deli, on average, $232 per person per month. Now, that's $12.75 per meal outside of the home. The norm, if you eat at home cooking, the average cost of the meal is four bucks. So think about it. When you go through the math, you would have saved, on average then, $159 per person eating at home each month. And if you're married, that's $320 per person per month. I should say per couple per month. And if you have kids, it depends. These big kids, little kids, greedy kids. It, just, it depends. But you'd be so surprised to see the savings that you would make if you simply opted to cook at home. Start off simple. Beans and rice. Rice and beans. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The Bible is teaching us here that when you aim debt-free, it's biblically sound. Paul is saying it's in keeping with who we are as followers of Jesus to aim debt-free. Paul is teaching us that theologically accurate practice is aiming debt-free. He says, don't owe anybody anything except to love them. He's saying, pay off all your debts. Aim to live debt-free. The only debt you should have is the ongoing or continuing debt of loving one another. What a challenging word. When you do that, it's going to put you in a whole other category. Dave Ramsey says, debt is normal. Be weird. See, many of us, we're just too normal. You're too normal. You walk normal. You think normal. You act normal. You spend normal. Stop being normal. Be weird. Aim debt-free. Now, married couples, don't walk out of here arguing. Don't let the whole drive home be torturous. Don't say, I'm coming back after the five-week series is over when you're teaching on nice things. No. The series is not to create arguments. The series is to train and to encourage. And, to, and so if you can't say anything without arguing on the way home, turn on the radio. Proverbs 13, 22, our foundational scripture says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. See, if you're going to live a 1322 lifestyle, 
That means you're going to aim to be debt-free. That's the only way you can leave an inheritance for your children and for their children. That's the only way you can impact the generations that follow you, is by saying, this is how I want to live. Be weird. Last July 2019, CNN had an article, extremely interesting. And it really captured for us the essence of someone living a 1322 life. It pointed out a young lady by the name of Kira Kennard. In 2015, she graduated high school. While her girlfriends were talking and chattering, they're saying, what school are you going to, Kira? Because they told her what college they were going to. Kira started crying because she wasn't able to afford to go to college. She was an aspiring therapist. And she, uh, I come from a single home, single family home, single parent home, rather. And uh, my mom, it was me and my three older sisters, and we don't have the funds. While she's bemoaning her plight, she gets a phone call from an attorney by the name of Steve Nielsen. And Steve said to her, I represent a client that has decided to give you a full scholarship. That angel, his name is Dale Schroeder. And Dale passed away in 2005. This is now 2015. Dale was a carpenter. And he worked as a carpenter for 67 years at the same business in Des Moines, Iowa. And he had just, you know, Steve Nielsen, the attorney, was a friend of his. And he walked into Steve's office before he passed and said, Steve, I want to open up a college fund. I, I don't have a, a wife. I don't have any children. I want to be able to open up this college scholarship fund to help children that want to go to college, but they just don't have the financial capacity. I want to do that. And Steve says, when you really know the type of guy that Dale Schroeder was, he's the, the guy who brings his lunch in a lunchbox. He has two pairs of jeans, one he wears to work, one he wears to church. Just an ordinary basic guy, but he had amassed $3 million. And when Kira Kennard got that scholarship, it wasn't just her because after she graduated becoming a therapist, 32 other kids, young adults, all 33 of them gathered to get in a restaurant and they had Dale Schroeder's lunch pail right there in the middle of the table and they talked about stories how none of them have ever met Dale but he paid for each of those 33 young people to go through college and the fund was now empty and the attorney said there's only one catch is that when you get the scholarship you need to pay it forward to help someone else. I wonder how many of you can see that this 1322 life that God's called us to live really does work. I want to encourage you. Let's conquer the debt beast. Let's avoid debt. Let's attack debt. And let's aim debt-free. Would you stand with me, please? Thanks for joining us this week on Impact with Dr. David Island. Take a moment and visit davidisland.org where you can get an in-depth look at the world of Dr. Island through his messages, media interviews, information about the books he has authored, and so much more. Tune in next week for another edition of Impact with Dr. David Island. Please subscribe to this podcast and follow at Dr. David Island on social media so you'll never miss a moment. See you next time.